Hello, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 3 of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL and at Believe.com. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a special interview episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. This week on our show, we have the author of the latest Overwatch book, Overwatch Deadlock Rebels, Lindsay Ely on the show. Lindsay, if you'd like to introduce yourself to all of our lovely listeners. Hi, like you said, my name is Lindsay Ely. I am an author, and yes, my latest book was with Overwatch Deadlock Rebels, which was a lot of fun to write. Um, I'm also the author of Gunslinger Girl, which is a dystopian YA Western that came out in 2018. And hope to be the author of uh, more books someday. <laughs> so just to give our viewers a little bit more of a preface, what is your background and where has the, what about your background that got you into um, writing in general, like in creating these stories for not only the Overwatch world, but just writing in general? Yeah, sure. Well, um, definitely goes back to when I was a kid. I've always been a bookworm. always had my, you know, nose in a book and, um, you know, in the library and such. Um, so I've basically been reading for as long as I can remember. Um, somewhere, probably I think in my tween years, I discovered comic books, which was actually um, kind of a big deal for me. I really got into um, kind of more the art side of things at that point um, than the writing side. And uh, actually ended up going to college um, for uh, graphic design and, and other art, art related uh, stuff, but kind of learned at that point that I was never gonna be a comic book artist like I wanted to be. Um, so I kind of pivoted to doing more of the writing stories. Um, so yeah, like I said, I've been kind of in writing, coming up with stories for as long as I can remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about like influences from not only your past, but also the present, where do you think that you get your writing influences from? Do you think it's mainly from the stories from the comic books or was there a specific book in your past that really picked that up for you? Um, I'd say it probably comes from a little bit of everywhere. I'm not, I'm not, you know, constrained to one genre or one style. So like I, you know, I read, read comic books, I read novels. I love watching TV movies. I probably watch more TV and movies than I should admit to. Um, I, I kind of like all forms of media. Um, so definitely kind of like get little influences from all over here and there from all of those. Um, as to like, you know, if there was one, I can't say there's really one book that, that, you know, ever influenced me, but, you know, there's definitely some that stand out. The Chronicles of Narnia, where I was, you know, loved those as a kid, read and reread and reread those. Um, another one would be uh, Diane Duane's So You Want to Be a Wizard, um, or the Young Wizard series um, by Diane Duane, the first book of which is So You Want to Be a Wizard, um, kind of a precursor to um, uh, Harry Potter, um, that I read when I was a kid and just absolutely fell in love with. And again, read it over and over too many times to count. Um, so yeah, kind of get, you know, influenced from stories all over. There's always, there's always something, you know, to, to sort of influence, even if it's not like media, you know, even like going on a vacation someplace or visiting a museum and seeing something kind of cool and interesting from history. Um, you kind of never know where the like little bits of inspiration are going to come from. 
how important do you think um, varying your genres um, and taking inspiration from more than one source of media um, helps you, especially when it comes to just your writing process, but also like the influences on other work? I think it's important, but I'm, I'm a person who loves genre bending and um, mixing genres together. Obviously writing, you know, Western YA dystopians is a little bit, uh, there aren't too many of those out there, but I love things that are kind of mixed up. So, um, you know, like I love medias where you, you, you kind of like find different genres mixed up. Um, Westerns, especially look at something like um, Cowboy Bebop with like sort of the space Western influence um, or even Star Wars or Firefly or any of it like those. Um, I think it, I, th I think you sort of learn to add um, interesting um, aspects to, you know, a genre if you vary your genres more. So, um, you know, there's, I feel like there's a lot of media out there that's really starting to blend genre and, and just have, even having just a little bit of like sci-fi in your literary book can be really interesting or a little bit of fantasy in, in a work can be really interesting. Um, so yeah, I think it's good to, to vary genres and read um, widely because you never really know what's going to, like I said, like going back to the inspiration, you never really know what's going to be the inspiration for like your next good story. Yeah, I, I totally understand when it comes from like Bebop era, like I watch way too many anime and <laughs> it's it's bad. But like Shinjiro Watanabe <laughs> in general, like um, if you want to talk about Bebop, you could also talk about Shampoo and how that kind of went from, you know, just samurai, like that is a samurai like genre series. But there are a lot of like um, street culture references with like the graffiti and mm -hmm. the hip hop style that's incorporated in the editing as well. And I, I always think that it's cool when you find some like two things that you don't think should click and then they they make something amazing. No, it's true. I saw somebody and I, I'm afraid I can't remember who tweeted this, but so I can't I can't uh, give them. Uh, credit for it but I, I saw somebody tweet not too long ago about how great anime is just because it, it just goes for it with mm -hmm. the stories with the it doesn't they, they don't care what the elements are they will take something that doesn't seem like it would ever work together and just go for it you know and and mm -hmm. you know it, it works sometimes sometimes it works amazingly other times it's meh but you know I think that's I think I thought that was a really great sort of um thing in terms of story storytelling and in terms of just like take the things that you think are interesting and just run with them and see what happens. Yeah. Now I kind of want to dive into the more like process heavy stuff. So what is your general writing process? Do you just come up with the idea and try to flush out, you know, do you go with the plot first or do you focus on the characters and see where they take you? Um, I would say I am a little bit chaotic in my writing process. Um, I know a lot of writers will sit down and, and sort of plot their book out and write like story background and like character background. And I am not patient enough to do that. I will definitely like, I, I will get like the bare minimum of things figured out, like main character name, rough plot, general idea for the first couple chapters. Then I will just start diving in and, and sort, of, sort of let the rest um, sort of come to me as I go. I will admit that that's sometimes not the best thing. Sometimes it, may, it means that I will have to get all the way to the end of the draft before I even sort of realize what's happening in a lot of spots. Um, but I've also found like, you know, I get some really great ideas as I'm going along without, if I just don't make myself think too hard about it or try to plot things out too, too uh, rigidly. Um, so yeah, I, I sort of just like, I have like, you know, like one master file that I work in and a lot of times stuff just gets cut and it disappears into the ether and I never see it again. And um, 
I will just overwrite whatever I just don't, you know, don't like and just kind of like let things happen. Now I admit I'm also trying to learn how to outline better, but we'll see. We'll see if that ever comes about. <laughs> I mean, whatever honestly works. I know that it works out for a lot of I come from a film and directing background. Um, and that's where I got my degree um in. But there I have seen, you know, certain people who just like give they give the actors literally the script um and then give them like a five page bio on like what the character's motivations are and then I know some people who will just give them the script and be like you just as long as the lines are are done um like embody what you think works here um and both of them work it really just depends on how the director wants it to to look and if they give process one way or another so uh now I want to get into um contact with Blizzard how did you get hired to write this book in general? Well, that was just a little bit of luck, I think. Um, you know, they were looking to write the Ash book and, um, you know, being an author who had done a YA Western uh, dystopian or, well, I mean, Oprah isn't really dystopian, but it's set in the future. So a YA Western set in the future. There's not a whole lot of other, you know, other books like that out there. So um, I was lucky enough to kind of be on the list and they, uh, contacted my agent and my agent contacted me and said, would you be interested in this project? And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. That sounds really cool. Um, especially since it sort of harkens back to um, my love of comic books. Cause you know, of course this girl, I was sort of dreamed of like writing for Marvel growing up or writing for, um, you know, all these characters that I'd read about. So, you know, the idea of getting to write with Blizzard um, who I was fam very familiar with cause I played a lot of Diablo two and Starwatch back in the day. I'm oh, sorry, sorry, Starcraft, not Starwatch. <laughs> um, you know, like I, that was pretty exciting to be like, oh, cool. I get to like, you know, potentially work with this um, big company that, you know, has made some of like the games that I've enjoyed more than other, like more than any. So, um, you know, we, we sort of like talked with um, Blizzard and Scholastic. Scholastic is the publisher and they, they work with Blizzard to, to publish these books. Um, and I did a couple of like sample chapters for them and luckily they liked them because um, as soon as I started sort of working on the story, I'm like, oh, I like this and I want to do this more. So I really hope they go with it, so. Fortunately, I was lucky enough that they did. This seems kind of like a random question, but uh, something that I know I, I like to ask people um, and because people like sometimes they'll remember exactly what they're doing when something pivotal happened. Do you remember what you were doing when you found out that Blizzard was interested in you writing this book? Oh, I, I'm trying to remember. I, I remember that I might have been like on a walk. I did a lot of walking during the pandemic. <laughs> So um, I have this feeling like I was probably on a walk and I probably opened my email and saw the email from my agent and probably immediately opened it there as I was still walking, which is, you know, not safe, but mm. <laughs> that's what we do. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think this one, this, like, I, I can't remember exactly what was happening, but I just, I sort of remember I, I was either on a walk or I was going out on a walk right afterwards. So I definitely remember being like excited as I walked, like thinking about, you know, the possibilities of this book. Okay. So how did, was your process for deadlock, writing deadlocking different or similar than other things that you've written? Did you have to approach it differently because um, it was Blizzard or is it just kind of like, just same process for you, just different employer? Well, it's definitely different because there was the aspect of, um, they had a general story outline that they wanted to follow. Um, mm -hmm. uh, they sort of gave gave me an outline to sort of give me the idea like what the what was going to happen in the book. Um, it wasn't super detailed, you know. There was sort of some um, some bones of the story and um, very like very interesting. Like you know, like there was a lot of room to sort of flush things out. But um, 
Yeah, so I started kind of working from there and obviously not being super familiar with the um, Overwatch universe or characters, I kind of started diving into a lot of that um, media and a lot of uh, like their cinematics and, um, you know, watching gameplay on YouTube and just sort of reading up about the the, uh, the game and their stories as much as possible to kind of get um, the vibe of it. So okay. yeah, and of course then we started, you know, we actually met with the um, uh, Blizzard team as well, Scholastic and Blizzard team, um, so that I you know, could ask questions about some of the lore, you know, some questions I had about the characters, you know, just kind of fill in some of the blanks and get for, more familiar with things before I really started diving into um, trying to put together a draft. Mm -hmm. I want to go back, get to that in a little bit, but like you, you mentioned pandemic. So you wrote this book like entirely during the pandemic? Yes, it was actually kind of the perfect pandemic book because I was trying, I had, I had finished writing something towards the beginning of the pandemic that my agent and I were trying to sell and was sort of out, they call it out on submission. And so I was mm -hmm. kind of starting other projects, but nothing was really, I wasn't getting traction on anything. I just, I wasn't really feeling anything that I had going. And I was just, it was like kind of like floundering and be like, oh, I don't know what to write next. And then I got this opportunity. And I think it just having the outline and sort of having these pre-existing characters kind of took some of the stress off of the um, right. creation process so I was able to like really just dive in and start writing the story and yeah I wrote it um, entirely during um, some of the pandemic months and um, it was good because I had nothing else to do so this gave me something <laughs> you know this really gave me a project to really get my teeth into and sort of help pass the time so like yeah like I said perfect pandemic book. About long, how, how long did it take you to write the book? Um, the first draft was about five or six weeks I think um, and then the process went over the next few months as we sort of, you know, mm -hmm. went over the drafts, um, you know, changed things here and there, um, you know, tightened things up. And um, yeah, but, you know, probably, probably start to finish. It was about five or six months, I'd say. Okay. Okay. Um, so did, did the pandemic change any way that, of your writing process or how you approach things? Because I know like a lot of people said as soon as pandemic hit, they had to like, it changed just being stuck in quarantine changed their ability to focus or or write or like it took a lot of their energy out of them so did you feel like you experienced any of that I think I was lucky because I kind of experienced the opposite whereas I needed something to distract me from everything so okay. having a project like this as well as some of my other projects I probably I've been probably more productive during um, the pandemic than I typically would have been um, you know, partially because there's there weren't a lot of options. You know, I wasn't going out and meeting my friends after work. I was I wasn't going to work. You know, <laughs> like um, it just felt like there was there was a lot of a lot more time available. And, and personally, for me, I write best when I have big chunks of time available. Um, mm -hmm. So compared to like pre-pandemic, when I'd be trying to you know squeeze in an hour or two after work and then a few hours on the weekends between you know outings and stuff like that, this was really like well, you know it's the pandemic. I have no plans this weekend. I can spend the whole weekend writing. Okay. And sometimes okay. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to go back to what you said about having to learn all of this lore for, and who the characters were and, and familiar, familiarize yourself with the world and the game that Blizzard uh, created, what was that like for you? Like trying to learn all of that in the process of writing the book. And what did you think about the world that Blizzard created? I thought it was kind of fun, actually. Um, I think I think the most fun part for me was watching all of the cinematics and kind of like those are really really great short mm -hmm. bursts of of sort of like lore and media, and I was really getting into those as I was watching as I was watching them. Um, and you know, like especially like watching the reunion um, uh, cinematic, which I, I did 
I don't know how countless times <laughs> <laughs> to really sort of try to pick up on the details. Um, it, it was, I mean, it was definitely challenging and there's still like a lot of things that I know I probably like didn't quite get um, just cause it's such a broad universe. Um, but I personally really liked it because, um, like I said, I really love um, genre bending and genre mixing and Overwatch really does that with its various characters mm -hmm. and settings and, and lore. So, um, like, I found that very interesting and that was really appealing to me. So okay. it was really fun. It was fun to get to, like, kind of, like, explore this world, um, you know, from from a sort of outsider perspective and then really dive deep into it, especially one, you know, particular aspect of it. Mm hmm um, I know you said that Blizzard already gave you a kind of an outline of what they wanted in the book. Um, what, what kind of requirements did they have for that? And what was it like for you? I know you said it took a lot of the pressure off of creating uh, this world, but what was it like for you having to kind of um, have, have the freedom to create, but also have to stay within the constraints of the existing Blizzard world? I didn't find it too bad. And part of it is this, this is a very sort of like linear story, you know, it very much like starts with, um, you know, Ash's world kind of like changing very uh, abruptly and then how she deals with it. And, um, you know, she deals with it sort of meeting these, these new, uh, these new friends that she makes, you know, starting with Jesse um, and then going on to some of the other um, founding members of Deadlock. Um, so, you know, it was a, it was a pretty linear, linear story. So like it, I think that was, uh, fairly easy in terms of like, um, a lot of it was just sort of like drawing these lines between point A, point B, point C, mm -hmm. um, and getting uh, getting through the story. Um, but like I said, like there was a lot of room for creativity and I was, um, I felt very sort of like lucky at some of the stuff that they let me write, like really just sort of like, you know, this there'd be parts that really didn't have any um, specifics to it, really didn't have any, um, uh, you know, descriptions that I had to follow. And I just kind of got to sort of build those parts up from scratch, which was a lot of fun. Okay. Um, speaking of building up parts from scratch, uh, one of the things that a lot of people were curious about and like has been a, a, a point of inconsistency of fans de debating the lore is like the Deadlock Rebels uh, insignia says established 1976. Like how, how did you come up with the explanation for that because the fandom has been like how is McCree this old when it was started in 1976 and like we've been debating back and forth about this for so long and now we actually have an answer as to why that's on their logo yeah so that was a little bit of a, a like a, a tricky lore point trying to find um sort of like a good uh you know sort of like presentation of that um we settled on the bike for anyone who, sorry, that was a spoiler alert, spoiler for anyone who's not read the book. Um, I think we might have spoiled it in a previous episode anyway. <laughs> okay. It's fine. Um, yeah. So it kind of, uh, it kind of came together and I, like, I sort of feel like it ended up being kind of a, like a, a good solution um, since the deadlock gang really was this sort of like um, jumble of parts that came together into this, this, this one whole thing um, by the end of the book. And that's really how the bike starts off as well. I mean, Ash gets the bike, she crashes it. It's just pieces when she, when she sort of gets it, but um, she sees something in it and, and, you know, um, they build it up as they're building the gang up. And so it all kind of comes together and it becomes a little bit of a private joke between her and Jesse by the end. Um, but like, I think that's pretty fun, you know, gives that, it also like, it gives a little like nod to their sort of like friendship um, and, and, you know, sort of like the, the inside joke depths of their friendship. Going to the character side of it, um, how do you feel about like crafting the backstories of these characters when they're already like kind of defined in the space of Overwatch? 
Um, was it difficult or did the lore team really help you out uh, when it came down to like specific points that made it easier for you to write them? I mean, some of it was was um, kind of, you know, easy and some of it was difficult. Um, Jesse was a difficult character. I will let you guys know that everything that you know about Jesse, I know about, like, that's, I, I know no more than anybody else at this point, even after writing the book. Um, so, like, I still have many questions about his character and his background and, um, you know, what sort of happens, you know, after the uh, events of this book. Um, so I'm very interested in that, but I have no answers. So um, that was definitely a little different working within sort of these like building, you know, you're trying to build characters, but you, you don't get all the information about them. You're not, you're not given everything about them um, and some of the stuff they can't give you. So um, there was a little bit of a challenge of trying to write characters uh, with, within, you know, without having a, you know, like gigantic broad, you know, encyclopedia of their entire lives and, you know, what brought them to where they are at the present time of Overwatch, um, even though I was writing in the past. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, if for other characters, you know, a lot of it was sort of a coming up from scratch. Like, you know, Ash had some background as communicated by her cinematic and as communicated um, to, uh, you know, me by the Blizzard team. But a lot of it was sort of, um, you know, like stuff I got to sort of flesh out, like where she lived, where she grew up, how, you know, her, uh, her, her, basically her setting before she kind of, um, becomes the, the, uh, the head of the dead, deadlock gang, um, as well as some of the other, you know, characters in the story, some of the other deadlock, um, founders, um, and some of the other characters who are, uh, just part of this, the book story. I, I know that it's kind of intimidating knowing that there are fans and, huge expectations that go with the name Overwatch. Um, did you ever feel any of that pressure when it came to writing the book? Did you think about the, the community and what they would potentially say about it? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, you know, as a as a fan myself of many universes, you know, I, I, I know what it feels like to be disappointed by something, a story that comes out or a way, you know, like something is treated. Um, so yeah, there was a little pressure, but there's also sort of just like that knowledge of no matter what you write, no matter how you write it, some people are going to be disappointed about it, but some people are going to love it. So um, you just, you, you sort of aim for more people loving it than hating it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think that's a really important lesson, too. It's whatever you do, if you're going to create something like you will have people who will bash on you, um, but it's better to just get it out there and hope that you can build people um, like build your community through that rather than to not even take the shot at all. Um, let's see. Where... For the record, I thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it <laughs> and you. I read it all in a day because it was like, OK, OK, what happens next? <laughs> what was the most challenging and the most rewarding part of writing this book um and then on top of that is there any like favorite scene that you have from the book okay that might be the same answer um this is definitely the fastest thing that i have ever written um in my life um, i'm usually i'm used to sort of having a little more time to uh you know work through things um so it was definitely a challenge to be like, okay, you know, they, they need a draft pretty, pretty, pretty rapidly on this and, you know, working through um, the draft of the story in a very rapid time frame. But at the same time, it, that was extremely rewarding because it showed me that, oh, I could do this, you know, like this was, you know, even though it was a challenge, even though it was, um, you know, committing a lot of time, um, you know, I was able to, to get it done. And, and, and I was, as I was doing it, I was really enjoying it, which really helped. So, 
um, it was really rewarding to be, you know, as I was working on the story, I was, I was having a lot of fun with the story too. It wasn't just like trying to get to the end of it. I'm like, no, this is fun. These characters are really fun to write. These scenes are really fun to write. Like this is a, this is a fun book to, to be working on. So, um, favorite scenes. Oh, I probably have a couple. Um, I, I might say the first, uh, the first sort of heist that Ash and Jesse go on alone um, which is in the first few chapters of the book. Um, they go to um, uh, the Arbalest uh, warehouse to steal some weapons and it just goes completely awry. And that was actually one of the sample chapters I wrote initially. Um, and obviously the sample chapter was not what ended up in the final book, but it was pretty close. And I like that made me happy because I thought that was a really fun scene to, uh, to uh, write. Um, I like action scenes. So any scene where I get to have things exploding or people chasing or, you know, you know, firing guns at each other, like that's just a lot of fun to do. I think my favorite scene was definitely the, um, the race where she crashes. That was a fun, just seeing how she goes from being this nobody to, to beating the champion. Yeah, that was fun. And I'm, I am, that was tricky though. I'm not a racer. So trying to picture like what's happening on in that scene was definitely a challenge. You know, you're trying to like picture where all the bikes are, where all the riders are, you know, like where these obstacles are. And so that was definitely, I liked that scene too, but it was, that was a hard one to write. I feel like it was like, I was reading about how like a Mario Kart race would go if it was it in a book. It was a little bit like a Mario Kart race. That's actually like probably very accurate. Did you collaborate with uh, Valenci? We had a conversation with her or over email we had an email what was, it, was it twitter it was a twitter convo okay we had a, a twitter, 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 in, twitter uh, interview of sort yeah um so we had a twitter twitter interview with valinxi who did the cover art for the book um did you ever collaborate with her in terms of finalizing a look for the young ash or calamity um, no. So like uh, pretty common in the book world is to is the author really doesn't get much input or really anything when it comes to the cover. So, you know, both this cover and my prior cover was very much like, here's the cover. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm sort of used to that, but I, I, I mean, I have to say like I, I basically saw the cover when it started showing up on, I think, Amazon's pages um, as it was being fed through like the data feeds. And as soon as I saw it, I was just blown away. I loved it. I was so excited to see. I thought the art was fantastic. It's like very comic book art, which I just like love. So um, I I didn't get to collaborate with the artist, but I, I couldn't be more pleased with what they came up with. I think that um, I think it's an amazing drawing. I love it. So to go with, uh, back to something you said about like Westerns and like both this book and I, you said that um, Gunslinger Girl, like, definitely, obviously, has a very Western theme. But what is it about Westerns that has, has drawn you in so much? Oh, um, I don't even know. I, I can't remember when I started watching them. But I mean, my so I remember uh, like my dad was a big fan of the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. So I watched that. New, we had definitely like a VHS copy of that growing up. So I watched that a bunch of times. Um, but I also really got into one of my favorite shows of all time is Briscoe County Junior. Um, which is a very, for anyone who is not old enough to know this show, it was a very weird two season long steampunk Western starring Bruce Campbell back in like the nineties. Um, did not have a lot of lasting power on TV, but I absolutely fell in love with it. And, um, and I, I really think that it was a, probably a pretty big influence, just that sort of like mixing genres in a Western. I don't think I'd ever seen that before. So 
um, you know, see these Westerns where they're also, they got, you know, like motorcycles show up and alien technology, I think shows up in part of it. And, you know, like it's, it was a big influence on me. Um, and I think a great thing about Westerns is that the West, like the elements of a Western, um, blend really well with other genre elements. Um, so they're really fun to work with, like going back to Cowboy Bebop, like they're, you know, it's very much got Western elements, but it's the space. Um, which works really well because you look at like the Western, um, like the Western landscape, you know, it's very similar to space where if you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere, like that's, that's dangerous. You know, it's a hostile landscape in a lot of ways. Um, and there's, you know, you have outlaws out, you never know when outlaws are going to show up in space or on the Western you know, steps. So um, there's just a lot of elements that sort of mix really well together um, or allow you a lot of sort of creative license on it um, while still sort of having that Western vibe. Okay. Um, so I, re I read the Goodreads description about Gunslinger Girl and like th there's the, I know that that's the success of that book is, pro is part of why um, Blizzard wanted you to write this book, but you've got, both of those books have the Gunslinger theme. Both of them are female led. They're both in the future after society comes at, out of a war. Um, what, what did you enjoy, I guess, about exploring that specific confluence of, of themes and, and crossing of genres? Yeah, well, I mean, definitely, like, like I said, like, I loved Westerns growing up. I didn't see a lot of um, female gunslingers or femme gunslingers. So that was definitely, you know, when I started kind of getting into writing, that was something I always kind of wanted to do. It was sort of just sort of happenstance that it ended, ended up being my debut novel. Um, but just sort of like seeing, you know, seeing more, um, getting away from that sort of like classic Clint Eastwood, you know, white male lead in the Western. Um, it's it, that like, that was definitely like something I wanted to kind of like play with and get away with. Um, because again, like there's just so much room for like, um, play in like a Western, you know, book, but also just sort of the themes of, um, you know, themes of like a gunslinger, like gunslinger, like lifestyle post-war that's always like really interesting to sort of play with. Um, you know, when you have, when you have a society that's sort of like rebuilding after like, you know, war stories are great. They're fun, but they tend to be very, um, you know, high energy, lots of action. Um, they're very, they're very tense at all times. Like, you know, you're trying to survive the war, but then after the war, you know, you're still sort of trying to survive um, and you're trying to rebuild. And I really like that the, the idea of things that can sort of spring up in the wake of a war, like what happens, you know, what happens after the war is done, you know, you know, like the end of uh, the first Star Wars movie where they're just kind of like giving people medals at the end. Well, that wasn't really the end of the war. There was like, they still had a lot to go. And so um, I, I, I like I liked to see sort of like, you know, think about what's gonna happen afterward. Cause that's where I think you start to get some really interesting characters coming up and really interesting um, situations that can arise. And again, just like um, lends you a lot of creative license on things. Mm -hmm. This isn't one of the questions we had written, but like, who was your favorite character in the book or was there, and who do you think you related to the most? Probably Ash. Um, I, I really, so like that feels a little bit cheesy because she's the main character, but you know, she's this very sort of, um, you know, bossy, prickly um, sort of uh, character. And, and she's not, you know, she's a little loud. She's a little um, forceful, but I, I love that about her. Like I thought that she is a great character because of that. And I loved getting to sort of explore her softer side too, because, you know, she's coming out of this sort of like really um, unfortunate family situation. She's a very lonely character at the beginning of the story. And, and she really gets the chance to 
um, learn how to work with others and play well with others, um, but also sort of like finds, ends up with this like found family by the end of the story. And I, I love found family stories and I love characters that have to sort of learn to work with those found families or learn to work with others. Um, so she was a very satisfying character to get to sort of just explore and play with and, and sort of build. Um, other than that, I'd say probably Bob. Bob was a lot of fun too. I loved any scene where I got to write with Bob. Um, I, I kind of wish I got to do more scenes um, with him, um, even though he doesn't he doesn't say anything and he you know he's he's you know fairly middle. But he just makes there's something about all the scenes that he's in that he's just like such a great addition to. You gave him such a, this quiet, stoic, just grounding presence, and I loved it. <laughs> He's, he works as a great foil to Ash because she's just sort of loud and she's sort of like, we're going to do this thing. And Bob's just like, okay, I'm there. I'm, we're going to do it. I'm, I'm going to stand right behind you. So like, you know, no matter what happens, I'm still here right behind you. Ready, ready so to reliable. Help. Yeah, exactly. Um, so do, do you have any advice for people who are trying to to follow your footsteps and, and become writers and break it into this industry? I know it's it's very hard to to do. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, honestly, it's hard to break into and it's hard to continue on. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't get a whole lot easier once you've broken into it. You're still, it's still kind of like always, um, you know, an uphill uh, sort of battle. And I, and I say that as somebody who is both an author and somebody who worked in publishing for 10 years. Like I, I've seen kind of both sides of it. Um, and it, it can be, you know, it can be very like demoralizing when you, when things don't go, don't happen as quickly as you want them to happen or don't happen in the way that you want them to happen. Um, my advice for that is always just keep going. And this is this is based on some advice that was given to me by um, an author that I um, took some classes with um, way back in the day, um, where she said that, you know, she had seen really talented writers give up and never really, you know, get to where they wanted to be because they, they just kind of like gave up. Um, and she'd seen, you know, sort of like less innately talented um, authors really go on to great success just because they never gave up. They just kept, you know, going and going. Um, and, you know, you know, made it to that point where suddenly, you know, things started kind of like falling into place. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it happens on the first book and sometimes it happens on the, the 50th. Like you really don't know. So. I think Bleed might be calling me real quick. Kevin, can you take the last two? I think they might yeah. have a question for me. I'll yeah, be on I, mute, I, but I will be listening. Okay. Um, what other work? Are, have you done that you are really proud of and what are you also working on later in the future if you can um, you know spark interest and see if anybody wants to hop on as well um, well so I always so it's weird that I've written two two westerns because I really kind of have always wanted to be a fantasy writer and so I am working on trying to um, you know write fantasy write a fantasy book that somebody would like to buy basically yeah. um, it's been that's been a bit of a challenge um, my first book that I ever wrote, um, and tried to quit. So when you write books, you, you don't usually, you don't send them typically like right to a publisher, you work with an agent. So you mm -hmm. start sending them to agents first. And the first book I ever queried to agents just went absolutely nowhere. It was just a fan fantasy that just nobody, nobody was interested in. So, um, you know, I still have hope that someday that fantasy, which was like a, you know, like a sort of like fun portal fantasy with a, with a, you know, girl going into another world, um, will sometime, you know, someday see the light, see the light of day, but, uh, not yet. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's what, that's kind of where I hope to go. I'd love, I'd love my next book to be a fantasy book. I don't know if that's going to happen again. Like it's a very, you know, it's a very unpredictable industry and I have all sorts of ideas running through my head. Um, 
many of which are not fantasies. So maybe I'll be just be, like one day I'll just be like, I need to write this book and I will write that book and it may be a fantasy and it may not be a fantasy, but yeah, you kind of got to go with where the creative juices take you. Yeah, I feel that as well. It's like, if you have an idea, especially um, I kind of, I went into script writing first. It's like, if something hits you, you just want to get it out. Like make sure that it's written down in concrete so that at some point, if you ever want to go back to it, you have like kind of a rough of what you want to try. Um, and yeah, uh, our last question that we had um, is just kind of a more open question when it comes down to um, what are your current pop culture obsessions? Is there anything that you're like trying to kill time with? Um, or is it just, you know, like certain shows or certain comic books that you have been following? Well, absolutely. After this, I'm probably going to go watch the new episode of Loki. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious to see where that one goes, especially after kind of like how great the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, WandaVision were. Um, other current, I'm trying to think of, I've been rewatching a lot of stuff lately. I have gotten to the point in the pandemic where I am running out of stuff to, to watch and consume. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some of my other, like, um, comic book wise, like my, my real go-to right now is Monstrous. I love that one. Um, movies, uh, I really want to go back to the movies because I would really like to go see the Black Widow movie in theaters. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I got to psych myself up for that because that's coming soon. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. I'm excited about the new episodes of Rick and Morty. I'm a big Rick and Morty Ooh. dork, so, um, mm. I just watched like the first two episodes last night. So that's, that's probably always going to be one of my pop culture obsessions. <laughs> my, uh, my grad cap when I graduated college was it, I did a paper cut out of Rick and I said, that's my series arc Morty. Even if it took me four years, I, I wanted that diploma. <laughs> that's great. I love that. <laughs> All right. Anything else from us, Kevin? No, I, I also know that I'm in that uh, that Marvel cinematic world right now. Um, I sat down and watched WandaVision with my mom and she's like, this is like, why are they changing the genre of like time era every episode? And I'm like, it, it's, you'll, you'll get it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I was on the same ride with her, too. And I'm like, this is it's interesting to to see that because from a film history perspective, you're just like, this makes sense. Like this was the way how it was done. And this is the progress that TV has done. Um, but my mom is like, oh yeah, I remember, I remember the Dick Van Dyke show. It used to be like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that's what it, what it was. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun to catch up and watch these things. Um, especially during the pandemic. Um, it, it, they can't run there's no <laughs> there's no uh real outlet there yeah, and then and in terms yeah I feel, I feel like what's great about some of the stuff that you know some of these sort of like short form um you know uh shows that are coming out is that it's really I, I feel like it's opening the door to just all sorts of other media and so you know we don't it doesn't just have to be the blockbuster movie anymore it can be mm -hmm. the the high budget tv show and maybe like the next thing is going to be like the web series and then you know I, I just feel like it, it really is kind of exciting because it opens the door for so many more, um, you know, sort of like media tie-in things. And I, you know, hope to see that trickle down to books and, you know, podcasts, you know, all, really like it feels like the sky's the limit right now in terms of like different media um, that you can do with a property. So that's, that's exciting to writers like me who would love to work on some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we were discussing, I feel like a, it was a 
probably like a couple of years ago about the uh, a potential Netflix series that Overwatch was thinking about um, animation wise. So um, hopefully we get to see that come into fruition later down the line as well. And yeah, it would have been really nice to have that, you know, during the pandemic. But um, it would be really nice to have that like right before Overwatch too. Yeah, I think they mentioned like a an Overwatch cartoon in the Hero of Nimbani, which is you know you know the first book obviously in the Overwatch uh, series, and that I remember reading that to me like, oh my god, I want that! I would absolutely be watching that, mm-hmm. that cartoon like every day. <laughs> All right, thank you, Lindsay, for talking with us today. We really appreciate your time. Um, the book is fantastic. Everybody, please go out and and buy a copy of Deadlock Rebels. It's really good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, really brings the 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 anger that Ash has towards McCree, like makes it make so much more sense as to why she hates him in the future. So um, thank you so much for joining us, Lindsay. Where can people find you if they want to reach out to you or contact you or or see more of your work? Oh, well, definitely you can follow me on Twitter. Um, My handle is just my name at Lindsay Ely. Um, And you may have to look at the book cover to spell that correctly, but um, I'm I'm probably on Twitter more than anything else. I'm also on uh, Instagram as uh, Linzelli, um, which is L-Y-N-Z-E-L-Y. Um, I have a Facebook page. People can find it. I don't I don't post on that one too often. So yeah, I would say if you're gonna find me, the place you're gonna find me the most often will be on Twitter. All right, thank you so much. Um, stay tuned, guys, and uh, listen to us next week, and we'll bring you more Overwatch things. Um, thank you, guys, and we will talk to you soon. Adios. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.